Good morning, Four Points. I gotta tell y'all, I am so excited this morning. It is awesome to see a full house. It was great to see people get playing games in the lobby. And I am thrilled to get to kick off the new series that we are starting today called Game Time. Y'all, this is gonna be a lot of fun. I hope you're ready. For the next four weeks, what we're gonna do is each week, we're gonna take a different popular board game and we are going to center the message around something associated with that game. So today, if you were in here before the service began, you were playing a Kahoot game that asked questions about the game Operation. And that's what we're talking about today is the game of Operation. But I wanna make sure that you guys are here early next week because we are gonna do the same thing again. We're gonna be playing a little game before the service actually starts, something that Pastor Austin has put together. A lot of fun. And what it's going to do is it's going to uh, have a winner. The game's gonna have a winner and whoever wins is going to walk home with the board game that we are talking about that week. So let me talk about some of the things that we're gonna be doing along with this series. The first thing is we're gonna ask you guys to use the hashtag game time, okay? Just the, the name of the series itself, but we want you to use that hashtag all over social media. So if you and your family are having a game night or you and your small group are playing games together, use that hashtag game time and let's see how much traction we can get on the social medias, all right? It's gonna be a lot of fun. As I said before, we're gonna be playing those games before um, each, uh, each service during the series. You are also gonna walk home each Sunday during the next four weeks with a little prize at the end. So you wanna make sure that you stay until the end of the service so you can get that prize. And then to conclude the series on March 16th, we're gonna be having a church-wide game night where we're all gonna get together that Sunday evening and play games and have a lot of fun together. So that's what we're gonna be doing. And I have to tell y'all, when we were planning this series, we were batting around all kinds of different ideas four games that we could center the messages on. And I have to tell y'all, I did not know there were so many games. One person would say a game and it would spark something in somebody else. And then Shannon just started making up games. She started talking about games I had never heard of. Pretty, pretty princess. Raise your hand if you ever played that game. No, y'all weren't supposed to raise your hand. Uh, it was supposed to be that she made it up. That must be a bougie game. We didn't play that at my house. Pretty, pretty princess. Come on now. But Listen, if you get offended over the next four weeks because we didn't choose your favorite game, y'all just go pull it out of the closet and play it yourself, okay? So I chose the game Operation today. That's what we're gonna be playing. Uh, raise your hand if you know the game Operation. Okay, the game Operation is a pretty standard game I think that a lot of us have played. For some reason, my blinker's not working. I don't know how to get to the next slide. Somebody help me out, Pastor Austin. Um, okay, so this is the game Operation. This is what it looks like. It's not technically a board game, but what you do with the game of Operation is you become, in essence, a general surgeon with a pair of tweezers, okay? And what you do with that pair of tweezers is you perform surgery on old Cavity Sam here. I didn't know he had a name back in the day, but that is his name. And what you do is you pull out all of these unnecessary parts that are in his body. And when I was young, y'all, I did not get the humor of some of these body parts, like the broken heart, right? I didn't get that. And the Charlie horse, I didn't know what a Charlie horse was. Now I know. Um, and I also, in my house, I don't think we ever actually played with the real rules where you play with these little cards and money. I think we just tried to get the objects out of his body. But there are, there are actual rules to the game. And what you do is you perform surgery. And if you happen to touch the edge of the little open wound there, we all know what happens, right? What happens? That's what happens, right? You get mildly electrocuted. 
Okay, so um, the, the point of the game is to perform successful surgeries and whoever ends up with the most money at the end is the winner of the game. So that is the object of the game. And as I said, in my house, we did not always play according to the actual rules. And there are a lot of directions that we could have gone this morning with the game of operation, right? I think maybe the first lesson that we need to learn from the game of operation is be careful who you choose to be your surgeon because if he uses a pair of tweezers and he requires electrocution to know that things are not going well, he's probably not the best choice, right? Like that's lesson number one. But we're not just gonna be talking about the physical body today. We're not just gonna be talking about surgery, but we're gonna talk about the body in terms of the body of Christ, in a larger context, okay? Not just one person's body, not just what our physical body does and represents or any of that, but how we all operate together as the body of Christ. And that's kind of a churchy term, isn't it? The body of Christ. But all it means is just the collection of believers, all of the people across all time, across all places that together follow or have followed Jesus Christ. That's who you and I are. So together this morning as Four Point Church, we are the body of Christ, but we are not the only members of the body of Christ, right? All across Spartanburg County, for example, there are people gathering together who follow Jesus. They are also part of the body of Christ, but it's not just Spartanburg County, right? It's every person everywhere. And when you think about that, that's a lot of people. And it's mysterious how together we all collectively make up one thing, right? How can it be that there are millions of people who have followed, currently follow, or will follow Jesus who are all together one unit? That's the mystery of the body of Christ. And and that's what we're going to be talking about together. And I want us to, to think this morning that the body of Christ does not just include the people that you and I know. It doesn't just include the people that you and I know. It includes people that we do not know and will never meet until we are worshiping Jesus with them face to face. And yet we are still one with them. That's mysterious, is it not? That's what we're talking about today. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna jump right into scripture. If you have your Bible or if you wanna pull it up on your phone, we are gonna be in the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12 starting in verse 12. I'm gonna read just a few verses to you here this morning. Take a look at this. It says, just as body, as a body, though one, your physical body, just as that has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And we're gonna pause there. And I want you to think about what it's saying in terms of your physical body. Your physical body has lots of different parts, right? If you just break it down into your systems, you have your skeletal system, you have your vascular system, right? Your neurological system, but all of those parts together make up the one unit of your body. Well, it's the exact same thing with the body of Christ, You, Josh, might represent, let's see what you would represent. You would probably be the neurological system, right? That's Josh. He's the brainiac, okay? He's the one who can figure out how things work. Josh might be one system and I might be another system and you're another system and you're another system, but all together we are one. 
And I want you to, to pause here and look at something that is very easy for us in the year 2020 to just gloss over. And that is verse 13. It says, we were all baptized by one spirit to as, to form, as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. The words there in between the hyphens, that's what I want us to look at because it's very easy for us in the, the context of 21st century America to forget what a big deal that was. So Paul here is the one who is authoring this book. He is writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And this is about 50 years after Jesus's death. Scholars think this book was written about 56 or 57 AD. So that's how long it was after Jesus died that this book was written. And Paul is saying to these people that regardless of whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, whether you were a slave or you are free, now all of those divisions cease to exist and we are one. And y'all, that was a really big deal for him to say because you have to understand the context of the people that he was speaking to. Prior to Jesus, the religious world, y'all, was deeply divided. It was us and them. It was the Jews and then it was the Gentiles. The Jews were the chosen people. Okay, in Deuteronomy, this is what it says. It says, you, the Israelites, the Jewish people, are a holy nation to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the nations on the earth to be his own. Imagine if you were an Israelite at that time, if you were a Jewish person and that was the identity that you had grown up with, you are chosen, you are different, you are set apart. These are my people and everyone else is not. Imagine that being your mentality. And then all of a sudden the Messiah comes and then Paul is teaching that's no longer the case. Think about all of the things that set the Jewish people apart. Several weeks ago, I preached a message on the Sabbath. Y'all remember that? The Sabbath was one, just one of the many things that set the Israelites apart from everybody else. You might be familiar with some of the dietary laws that the Israelites had to follow, right? They had to eat kosher. There were things they could eat and couldn't eat. There were places they could go and places they couldn't go. There were certain festivals and holidays they, set, uh, they celebrated that everybody else did not. The point is... The Jewish identity prior to the coming of Christ was that we are chosen, we are distinct and separate, and nobody else is like us. Do you see how revolutionary it is? Not just what Paul is saying in the verses in 1 Corinthians, but, but what Jesus taught. Those divisions now are gone. It is no longer Jews and Gentiles, us and them. And then you bring in the context of slave and free, Right? Think about what you know of biblical slavery. Think about what you know about what it is like to be enslaved even today in human trafficking, for example. When you are a slave, your identity is that you are not your own, right? That you have no say in your life, that you have no freedom, that you belong to somebody else and everything about your life depends on that person. And now, because of the coming of Christ, that is gone as well. You were no longer slave, but now you are free. You see, Jesus changed everything. And that's what Paul is saying to the people here in Corinth. He is saying to them, everything that you knew prior to Jesus is now gone. It is no longer us and them. It is us. We are all one. And you might be thinking, Jenny, why would he have to even say this 50 years after Jesus came? In those days, wasn't that like a whole generation? Hadn't the whole generation that lived that way died? Weren't they gone? 
Why would he have to say that to them? And I'm here to say to you this morning that the same things need to be said to us because it's been more than 50 years since the civil rights movement and we're still having to convince people that the amount of melanin in your skin does not determine the content of your character. Somebody come on, right? It is no longer us and them. Getting choked up. If we are in Christ, we are one. We are unified. We are parts of the same body. Paul was preaching it then and I'm preaching it today. We are all parts of the one body. And you and I know that in a room like this, we have so many divisions, don't we? We have so many divisions. We have different socioeconomic statuses. We have different races. We have different genders. We have people in different careers. We have people from different sides of the track. But in Jesus Christ, we are all one this morning. We are all parts of the same body. It is no longer us and them. What Paul preached then needs to be said today. Old ideas may die hard, but they need to die. Sometimes, like Pastor Justin said last week, if you heard that message, what we don't kill, if God has told us to kill, will come back to haunt generations in the future. If we are not the ones today to kill the idea that there are people who are to be included and that there are people who are to be excluded, if we don't kill that idea, our children will be the ones who suffer for it. It is up to us to follow what Paul said, because Jesus, guys, does not just offer salvation. He changes our identity. And some of us need to get past just accepting the salvation and allow him to change everything about our identity, including some old mindsets, perhaps, that we grew up with, that we were taught, that we thought were normal and okay, but are deadly to the kingdom of God. Some of those things need to die this morning. And this is why, because the spirit of God creates one from many. I want you to think about the human body again for just a second. Think about, for example, just your liver and your femur, okay? Two very different parts of the body, right? They have different purposes, don't they? If you were to look at them, physically, they look very different. One is soft tissue, one is hard bone. They are located in different areas of the body. They are in separate systems, right? And on their own, if they're not part of a living body, they seem to have nothing in common. But where there is life, they work together for the purpose of allowing that body to work as it is supposed to. Does anybody see where I'm going this morning? In this room, we have livers and we have femurs. And apart from the life of Christ in us, we are very different and we seem to have nothing in common. But when we are put together in a living organism called the body of Christ, we have functions that cooperate that work together to accomplish the purposes of the body. And some of you this morning, I know, probably feel like you are a part of the body that does not really matter, right? Like you, you might feel like a spleen or part of the lower intestine or something, right? And you might think my part of the body does not really matter. And I know what that feels like because I have felt that before. We all have felt that before, right? Like, what is my purpose? What am I doing here? How do I fit into this larger context? And I'm here to tell you that if you will surrender to the work of Jesus Christ in your life, he will take whatever part you are, the spleen, the liver, the lower intestine, whatever you may happen to be, and he will use it in the life of the body 
of Christ. The same thing that is true in the physical body is true in the spiritual body of Christ. We all have a purpose. Now, I don't want to try to claim this morning that your individuality does not matter, that it's only how you matter to the larger body. Because make no mistake, he created you as an individual It says in John 15, to bear much fruit. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Your purpose is to bear fruit, but you cannot do it solely on your own. I have been reading this book that was just released by Beth Moore. We all know and love Beth, right? And this book is called Chasing Vines. And what she does is she explores the concept of the vine and the vineyard and grape and juice and wine and all of that throughout the context of the Bible. And as I was reading a few days ago, I read something that I thought applied perfectly when we think about us having an individual identity, but also being part of the body of Christ. This is what it says about grapes, okay? Grapes don't grow solo. They only grow in clusters. Scale the world's finest hills and forge through her fertile valleys, and you'll find their clusters in all sorts of colors, pink, purple, crimson, green, black, dark blue, yellow, and orange, up to a mind-boggling 10,000 varieties. Don't tell me that's not impressive. The Hebrew word for cluster is eshkol. One branch with a single cluster of grapes had to be carried by two grown men on a pole between them. That's some kind of heavy fruit. One horticulturist suggests these grapes were of the Syrian variety known for producing clusters of between 20 and 30 pounds. That's a lot of grapes, right? Whatever the variety, this much is certain. The fruit from the land of promise was weighty. Thousands of years later in that same land, a vine grew, which from all outward appearances was common. The vine made a promise to 11 branches, the 12 minus Judas, if only they would abide. Much fruit, heavy fruit, weighty fruit, the most profitable fruit in all the world. Through Jesus Christ, listen, you are in the bloodline of those very fruit bearers. Maybe you feel passed over, invisible, unviable. Maybe you believe that God calls other people to contribute and use their gifts for his noble purposes, but your own branch seems bare. Perhaps the last thing you feel like is the answer to a promise. Or perhaps the way it looks to you at one time, you showed great promise and your gifts were affirmed, but for some baffling reason, all that promise seemed to fizzle out and amount to nothing. If that's you, that I want you to know that you, if you are in Christ, your life is attached to the very one who is life. Nothing about you means nothing because he who defines you and makes use of you is everything. Your identity is in the one whose name reverberates above every other name and whose fame endures forever. You aren't in this alone either. You have brothers and sisters throughout the world. Your connectedness is unbreakable. You are part of a community of saints that all the demons in the entire abyss cannot overcome. One day I'm gonna learn to write like she does. That's who you are. You are a cluster of grapes meant to be gathered together with all the other clusters of grapes across the world. And we are meant together to accomplish something for the vine dresser that we could not accomplish on our own. 
And that's what we have to understand this morning, that we are all one, that we are all part of that body. Now, before we move on to the next part of 1 Corinthians 12, I want to ask you some tough questions. Questions that I know will resonate with some of you because they resonate with me. And the questions are these. First of all, do you ever resent the way you were made? Don't answer this out loud. It might get awkward. Do you ever resent the way you were made? Do you ever think, God, why did you create me to be, for example, so sensitive? God, why did you create me to be such an introvert where the world seems to value extroverted people? God, why did you give my sister this talent and withhold it from me? God, why, why did you put me here in this place where I seem to be a, a square peg trying to fit into a round hole? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever ask those kinds of questions? Like, God, if I had been you, I would have, I would have created me just a little bit differently. I think we all have felt that at some point. And I want you to keep the answers to those questions in mind as we look at the next passage here. The next few verses in 1 Corinthians 12. Because this is about what we say to ourselves and our own roles in the body of Christ. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body just because it says it, right? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, the repetition here, there are many parts, but one body. Here's the truth here this morning that we need to remember. The lies we believe about ourselves don't negate the truths of God. You might look at yourself and say, I am a hand, but I don't want to be a hand. I don't feel like a hand. I feel like hands aren't useful and I should have been created something else. But just because that's what you say, and perhaps even is really how you feel, doesn't mean that God did not create you to be a hand with the purpose of you doing hand things in your life, right? Now, let me put this in kind of a, a 21st century context to you. We not, might not be a hand saying something to a foot, but we might be the person working in the kids area who says, because I'm not on the stage preaching, I don't matter as much. Or we might be the graphic designer who says, well, because I'm not the one doing, I don't know, the finances, I don't matter as much. Or because I come to church and I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing, I don't matter at all. We say these things, don't we? We probably don't say them out loud, but we say them to ourselves. In our vulnerable moments, we really believe them. And when we say them and when we believe them, what happens is that that opens us up for Satan to come in and to begin saying things that we believe as well, right? That's what happens. We believe then what Satan says is, well, you don't matter at all, so why bother going, right? If you don't matter, if you don't have a role to play, nobody's gonna miss you if you don't show up. That allows Satan in to prevent us from being a connected part of the body. But just because 
Satan says it or just because we say it to ourselves doesn't mean it's not true, guys. What did it say in verse 18? Let me go back just a second. It says, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You may be working in the kids area. Guess what? If that's what God gifted you to do, you better do it with all of your might because you're working for the Lord, not for people, right? If God gifted you with the gift of hospitality, then you need to be welcoming people and serving people, not just on a Sunday morning, but in your everyday life as well. If God equipped you to be a teacher, you better be teaching. If God equipped you to organize and analyze, you better be organizing and analyzing. What we do though, is we begin to resent the way we were made because we can't see our own value, right? It's like when you look in a mirror, you don't see what everybody else is seeing, right? Because the image is reversed and all of that. Things are, are not quite in the mirror the way that other people see them. Other people can probably see your value more than you can see your own. What we have to learn to do, though, is not just get our value from what we see or even what other people see, but from what God says. God crafted you specifically and created you especially to do something in the body of Christ. And I'm not just talking about at church, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we want you to serve and we want you to, to find your place here. But this is not the only place the body of Christ operates. You know that, right? It's not just about a Sunday morning. You might think that you're a hand and only feet matter, but that's not the case. I have spent so many of my years wishing to be something that I am not. It's kind of like if the liver had a brain and wished that it could be a femur. That's ridiculous, right? That liver, no matter how much it wishes and hopes and prays and works out to try to change itself into it, it's never going to be a femur. The liver was created to be a liver. The femur was created to be a femur. You were created to be a you. And no, no amount of wishing and trying and hoping and praying is gonna change you into something that you were not created to be. That might be a harsh reality for some of you, but you were created to be you. You were not created to be your neighbor, your sister, your friend, the person sitting next to you. You were created to be you. And when you are not, it costs us all. Here's the thing about a liver. It can't ever be a femur, but you know what it can be? It can be a healthy liver or an unhealthy liver. And whether it's healthy or unhealthy contributes to the overall health of the body. The same is true for us, right? If I am an unhealthy Jenny, then I am not contributing to the body of Christ as I was created to contribute. And it doesn't just hurt me, it hurts us all. I can't be a femur if I'm a liver but I can be a healthy liver. And that liver is pretty doggone important, right? The same is true for you and me. And until we stop fixating on what we are or not, we can never be what we are. Until we stop resenting the way that we were made, we will never fulfill our purpose. Guys, we will never fulfill our destiny in a purpose we try to create ourselves. If we think, okay, this is probably what I should be doing, and it's not what God has revealed that we should be doing. We are trying to create our own purpose and we will never fulfill the destiny that God has for us when we try to do that. Listen, we are not the designer. We are not the redesigner. We are the created beings. And our role is to submit and to surrender to the way that God created us. Now, listen, I'm not saying that as you are, you are perfect. 
Lord knows that's not true, right? (laughs) As I am, I am not perfect, but I know how he wired me. I know what he created me to care about and what he gifted me with and what my passions are. I've lived long enough to uncover those things. And so now my role is to submit and to surrender and become the healthiest person in that lane, right? I got to stay in my lane. If I do that well, I will fulfill my purpose. But if I look over here and say, no, I should probably be doing this because that seems more attractive, right? That seems like something that a woman should be doing. Then, then I'm never going to fulfill my purpose. I have to I have to stay in my lane. That's what we have to choose to do this morning because you see, we forget sometimes that we are not our own, right? That we were bought with a price. We forget that we have died with Christ and our life is now hidden with him. We forget that we are no longer the masters of our own universe. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, everything changes, So not only are we all parts of one body and not only do we have to understand what our role is, but we also have to understand how we fit together with other people and what we should and should not be doing when it comes to others. Take a look here at verses 21 through 26. This is about what we say to others in the body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Guys, I want you to think about the practicality of those verses. Think about an eyeball locating something visually, okay? Your eyeball is looking at something right now. My eyeball is looking at this book. If my eye wants anything to be accomplished with that book, It can't just operate on its own, right? The eye needs the brain. And then if it wants to read that book, it needs the hand and the fingers to open it up, which requires all of the systems, right? My muscular system, there has to be blood flow and all of that. The eye cannot look at a part of the body and say, I don't need you because if it's gonna accomplish anything with what it sees, it has to work in tandem with those other parts. But some of us this morning look at other members of the body of Christ and we categorize them and we rank them and we say they are not as important as. Isn't this what we do as human beings? We think because things are different, one must naturally be better than the other or one must be more important than the other. But the reality is in the body, every part is inextricably connected. You cannot separate them and get anything done, right? The same is true in the body of Christ. The eye needs the hand. You and I need each other. If we're gonna get anything done for the body of Christ, we cannot categorize and rank each other and say you matter and you don't. No, every part matters in the body of Christ. I was up here yesterday and the cleaning crew was here. Do you know that none of us think about the cleaning unless it's not done. Isn't that what happens at home as well? 
somebody preach, right? Like we, we, don't, we don't think about those tasks that are accomplished until they're not accomplished. But what would happen if our cleaning crew did not come and empty the dirty diaper pail from last Sunday? We'd all be noticing that. What would happen if Shane did not set up the parking lot in the mornings, right? First time guests wouldn't know where to go. We are all important and we all matter and we cannot dare think that there is one part of the body that matters more than the other. We all have a role to play in the body of Christ. And I know because I can see in some of your faces this morning that you're thinking, but that's not true for me. Nobody notices if I'm not here because it matters. It matters, not just whether or not you're at church, but whether or not you are playing your role in the kingdom of God. It is a big deal. And what happens here is that God, through the words of Paul, changes things for people. Look at verse 24 here. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Some of you throughout your entire lives have felt as though you do not matter and that you have no honor. Think back to the discussion of the the Gentiles and the slaves, right? That was their entire identity. For years, they believed they did not matter. And now God says, no, I'm giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. If you are here this morning and you are a part of the body, but you feel like you have no honor and that you do not matter, please listen to my words. God is saying, I'm giving you honor. I am elevating you. I am raising you up from the ditch. You are coming out of that pit because you matter. You have a role to play. I created you as I did because you have something you can accomplish for the kingdom of God that nobody else can do. And if you don't do it, it won't get done. The entire body will suffer if you don't allow me to give you that honor and to elevate you from the things that you have told yourself, from the lies that you have believed from Satan, and perhaps even from what other members of the body have told you. God changes things for all of us. And this is why, look at verse 25, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its part should have equal concern. Listen, if one part suffers, every part suffers. If one person in the body of Christ is suffering, it affects us all. We might not feel the effect today, but make no mistake, it will affect the kingdom. It will affect all of us at some point. What would it mean in the body of Christ if when one person was suffering, it really did hurt us all? We allowed ourselves to be affected by it. It means that there would not be people starving. It means that there would not be genocide because we would be willing to stand up and take a stand, right? It means that we would not draw invisible borders and say, no, there's us and them and God died for white middle-class Americans, not for anybody else. What would it look like, ladies and gentlemen, if we truly believe that when one part suffers, every part suffers with it? In the body of Christ, what happens to one happens to all. And a unified body suffers and rejoices as one. This requires sensitivity in the spirit, doesn't it? This requires you and it requires me to look at people differently. Not to see the things about them that are not the same as us, but the thing 
that we all have in common. And that thing is the very spirit of the living God. We might not have anything else in common, but the one spirit is what we have in common. And ladies and gentlemen, that is enough to unify us. That is enough to remind us that we all together are interconnected and we don't have the luxury of remaining separate and being different from. No, we are called to be all parts of the one body. The book of Philippians says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. That does not happen naturally in my life. I have to ask the spirit to convict me, to remind me that I am no better than anyone else. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. We have to look to the interests of others and that takes intention. It takes intention. I have to decide. I have to make a choice to look to the interests of others and not just naturally think about myself. Just because it it comes naturally to us doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. It comes naturally to me to be selfish and to think about myself and to do what I want and make myself comfortable. It does not come naturally to me to obey the word of God where it says, no, put others, others above yourself. Put other people above yourself. Put their interest above yours. That does not come naturally. But this is the reason, y'all, that we have different gifts. It's the reason that we have different roles. It's the reason that we have different purposes. And that is for the common good. Because the kingdom of God is coming here to earth. And if it's going to be on earth as it is in heaven, we have to get involved. We naturally seek comfort. When you get home from church this afternoon, most of you are not gonna stay in the clothes that you have on right now, are you? You're gonna put on your sweatpants. You're gonna put on your comfortable shoes. You're gonna take out your contacts. You're gonna put your hair up on top of your head if you have hair. Talking to you. He's my husband, I can make fun of him. When we get home, we're gonna get comfortable, aren't we? Because that's what we do in the flesh, in the natural body, we seek comfort. We do the same thing, don't we? As a spiritual corporate body, we wanna be comfortable. We want things to be easy. We wanna seek the path of least resistance. And that is not what Jesus Christ has called us to do. He has called us to take up our cross and to carry, uh, to follow him. If we take up our cross, y'all, that's tough. It's not comfortable, but that is our calling. That is our purpose. That is why we exist to take the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to people who don't have it. And that can be uncomfortable. And even more uncomfortable than that is the fact that we have an enemy who is actively working against our body. And this is what he does. He wants us to feel disappointed, to remain disconnected, encounter dissatisfaction, and experience destruction. That's his goal for the body of Christ. He wants us to feel disappointed individually and corporately. He wants you to feel disappointed in how you were made and the gifts that you feel like you lack. He wants you to feel disappointed in looking at other people and perhaps they're not doing the things that you think they should be doing. He wants disappointment to be what we feel in our emotions. And guys, sometimes disappointment is very real. And we do feel that, but when we feel it, you know what we have to do? Not stay stuck in it. He wants us to remain disconnected. He is going to tell you that isolation is what you need, that you don't need to get involved, that you don't need to let people know who the real you is, because if you get connected, you're gonna get hurt. Maybe so, 
But what happens if you remain disconnected is worse, I believe. He wants us to encounter dissatisfaction. That's why in a church service like this, this morning, he wants you to look around and nitpick every little thing that you think has been done incorrectly. When when the cameras mess up, he wants you to notice it. If the sound isn't perfect, he wants you to focus on that. You know why? Because he doesn't want you to focus on the word of God. He doesn't want you to focus on the truth. He doesn't want you to find healing. He doesn't want you to feel freedom. He wants you to experience dissatisfaction because that is what tears the body of Christ apart. And that's a victory for Him, right? He wants us to experience destruction. Where does destruction come from? It comes from disappointment, disconnection, and dissatisfaction. And so what we as the body of Christ have to do is we have to do a little surgery sometimes, right? Because when those things come into our body, and they will, because we're human beings and human beings are messy, right? Human beings get sick. When those things come in, we have to perform surgery ourselves. And we also have to allow Him to perform surgery on us, right? We gotta gotta get those things out. Y'all hear that buzzing? We gotta go in there and we gotta pull those things out. We gotta pull the dissatisfaction out. We've got to look at, at what we're feeling and we've got to take it to the healer and say, God, would you heal this hurt in our body? We've got to look at it and we've got to say, God, we can't take care of this dissatisfaction on our own, but we know that you are the ultimate satisfier. Would you satisfy us again? We have to do surgery and, and sometimes we have to take precautionary measures as well, right? That's what we do with our human bodies, right? Everybody's freaking out about the coronavirus. So they're wearing these masks that don't even really protect because they think they're going to protect, right? We take these precautionary measures to prevent against getting sick. What we have to do as a spiritual body is we have to put up precautionary measures as well. We have to put on the full armor of God so when Satan launches those things at us, we can deflect and they, they won't penetrate our bodies, right? It costs money to take precautionary measures, doesn't it? Surgery is painful, but you know what? The body of Christ is worth it. We are worth it as God's chosen people. We're all chosen now, right? It's no longer just the Jews. It's not just the Israelites. We are all chosen. He has chosen us to represent Him to this world. And so we have to do whatever it takes, whether it's taking those precautionary measures and suiting up, protecting ourselves against the onslaught of what Satan throws at us, or after those things come into our body, allowing surgery to happen. It's worth it for the overall health of the body of Christ. Now guys, listen, when we're playing operation and we're trying to dig out one of these things like the wishbone, if we accidentally hit the metal boundary on that wound, we know that it not only makes a sound, but what happens to Cavity Sam's nose? It lights up, right? There is a sign there, a warning sign that, hey, the surgery is not going well. And so often in our lives, I think we feel like if I could just have a sign that things are not going well, if I could just have a red light that would go off or a buzzing sound in my ear to let me know, hey, danger is ahead, then things would go better. If you are in Christ, can I tell you this morning, you have that, His name is the Holy Spirit. He is our warning sign, right? He is that voice in our heads saying, there's danger ahead, I need you to be cautious. But if you are not in Christ, meaning you have not trusted Him as your Savior, you do not have that warning sign. 
You have to rely on your own flesh to look for the dangers that are ahead. And so I wanna invite you this morning that if, if you are here this morning and you are not part of the body of Christ and you have not received the gift of the Holy Spirit as that, that warning sign, that red light going off, that buzzing in your ears, that that gift is free and it's available to you this morning. Jesus Christ wants to come into your life and He wants to enable you to remove the parts that are not supposed to be there. That's what He is there for, to take out your heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. He wants to take out your sin and replace it with His Son's righteousness, right? With God's righteousness. He wants to take out your natural longings to do all the things that you desire and replace them with desires for righteousness. That's the invitation for you this morning, is to choose life. On the way out the door this morning, each of you is gonna get a teeny tiny little person, okay? All the people are different colors. We have red and yellow, black and white, and they are all precious in His sight. Y'all appreciated that. And what I want you to think about as you get this teeny tiny little person is that you might feel like you are a teeny tiny little person. You might feel as though you are insignificant and that you do not matter to the body of Christ. But when you hold this in your hand and you feel its weight, I want you to remember that you have a role to play in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ. And that if you don't play the role that you were created to play, then the kingdom of God will not be able to come on earth as it is in heaven because you'll be missing. You have a role to play. And I want you also, when you see your teeny tiny little person, to remember to pray for two things. One is the role that you were made for. You might not know it yet, and that is okay. I read this week that God steers moving ships. Take a step and He'll show you what the role is. And I also want you to play for our body, right? Not just four points, but the body of Christ across the world because it is being attacked by the enemy, right? In all of those ways, He wants us to feel dissatisfied, disconnected, all of those things. And this person is to be a reminder for all of us that we matter, the body matters, because God has a purpose for us. What we're gonna do here in just a second is we're gonna go into a time of prayer. And I want you to just spend some time talking with God. I'm gonna be praying, but you know you can pray on your own, right? Like you don't have to just listen to what I'm saying. I want you to talk with the Spirit of God and ask Him to show you how you matter. I want you to ask Him to show you what your role is, how you can play a part in His body, how you can play a part in this church. And if you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, that's what I want you to do above everything. is to just say, I need you. Jesus, I can't do this on my own. So let's, let's talk to God, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that as you created us, you weren't just knitting together flesh and bone and blood. You weren't just knitting together our systems, God, but you were also knitting us together with the rest of the body that you knew would be the body of Christ across the world, that, that you didn't just create our bodies individually, but you, you created them to have a part to play. And so this morning, God, we want to surrender to those parts. 
We don't all know exactly what that looks like. And, and those of us who think we do, it changes from day to day sometimes. But God, what we wanna say to you is that we're, we're just giving you ourselves. We're just saying that we're here and we're available to do the things that you have asked us to do, to chase after the things that you put in front of us, to be your hands and feet, even if we feel like we're a liver or a femur. God, if there is anybody in this room this morning who doesn't know what it's like to be part of the body of Christ, who doesn't have that, that warning system of the Holy Spirit, who doesn't have that internal guide, then I pray right now, God, that you would just speak to them, that you would pull on their spirit and just let them not be able to get up and walk out of this place this morning until they give their lives to you because nothing else truly matters. We know that we will never fulfill our destiny if we're trying to create our own purpose, God, and we wanna be a people of destiny. We wanna be a people who accomplish what you made for us to accomplish, whatever that looks like, even when and especially if it's different than what we have envisioned. So God, move in each of us this morning, move in us. Don't let us just sit here. Don't let us just move our mouths to these words we're about to sing. But God, let us give you our lives, give you ourselves, give you every part of our body and give you permission to remove what needs to be taken out because we know there are some things in there just like Cavity Sam that shouldn't be. God, we thank you for loving us enough to perform the delicate surgery that sometimes is required for your people. But we invite you to do it in us individually and in our large church body. Move, God, move in us. We wanna fulfill our destinies. Thank you for loving us, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Guys, if you, during that prayer, decided that you want to follow Jesus, I'm gonna ask two things of you. One is that if you would just make a note of that on that connection card that you got as you came in today, just drop it in one of the boxes on the way out, just so we know and we can walk with you. And the second thing I'm gonna ask you to do is to stay plugged into the body of Christ. It doesn't have to be a four point church. If this is not the place for you, that's fine. There's a large body out there, find where you fit, but don't let yourself become isolated. Those are the two things I'm gonna ask of you. Guys, I'm so grateful that you're here. And now as we worship, let yourself be reminded that you matter and that you are part of the body of Christ.